Hi, and welcome to another great message from Mr. Christian Outreach Church. We pray you'll be inspired and equipped by this teaching. For more information on Noosa Christian Outreach Church, please check out our website at noosacoc.org.au. Enjoy. How are you all this morning? Here's a statement that we've been reading over the last few weeks in a, in a series that we've been doing on these four promises of God. A great life is neither magical nor mysterious. It is the natural consequence of consistently taking faithful steps towards your heart's desire based on the promises of God and the wisdom of his principles. See, our challenge as believers is to put our trust, is to learn to trust in the promises of God and actually not just, not just learn them, but to stake our whole future on them. God wants you to stake your future on what he has said about you and what he's promised to do for you and through you. The first thing, though, is we need an awareness of what he has said. We need to understand what, what he has said about us and through us and to us so that we can actually commit ourselves to walking in those promises. See, if we don't know what God has said, if we don't know the promises that he's given us, it's very difficult to make decisions based on those things. So we've been walking through these promises. When we look forward, we need to understand that our confidence and hope comes to us in the form of a promise. Jesus says when he left, he says, go and do all these things. He says, and lo, I will be with you always. You know, when, when, when the Israelites were, uh, were, were, were given the promised land, God, he didn't say it was going to be easy, but he said, I will be with you. He's saying, you're going, you're going to have to fight these people, but guess what? The battle belongs to me. See, we need to stand and be present, but the battle belongs to the, God, to, to the Lord and his strength is with us and his might goes before us. It's not by our might, not by our power, but by his spirit do we see breakthrough and do we see change. See, we cannot enter into a known future. Jesus, Jesus said about his father about the end times, he said, only the father knows the hour and the day. See, we cannot enter, in, enter into a known future, but we can enter a future based on a known promise. And we know that the Lord is always faithful. It says in Numbers, has he ever given a promise that he's not faithful to? The Lord is not a man. He is not like us. He has never failed. He always follows through on his promises. His, his, his words never return to him void. So you can be confident. You can be faithful to head in a direction based on what he has said over your life. So we've talked about these four promises. The children of Israel were in... Were in uh, were in Egypt under their captivity for over 400 years. And then the Lord picked this one guy out by the name of Moses and he asked him to deliver this word to Israel as they are in captivity. He says, I am the Lord, Exodus 6, verse 6 and 7. I am the Lord. I will free you from your oppression. I will rescue you from your slavery in Egypt. I will redeem you with a powerful arm and great acts of judgment and I will claim you as my people. See, this week we want to focus... It's our last week of the four, of the four, but we're actually going to talk about the very first foundational promise, and it's the promise of salvation, where he says, "I will rescue you from your slavery." And when I read this, you know, slavery, I don't think, you know, I haven't been enslaved. You know, sometimes I feel a little bit enslaved to Kristen, but, um, <laughs> but, uh, 
you know, God's working with her on, on that. <laughs> but, you know, when I think about my life, I think about fear. I think about the consequences of my action. I think about shame and I think about guilt. Sometimes I've been enslaved to these things, been enslaved to my past, to my memories. I've been enslaved to, to hurt. I've been enslaved to anger. I've been enslaved to my senses. I've been enslaved to what I see with my eyes and what I hear with my ears. See, he wants to rescue you from your slavery. See, we've all experienced hardship of pain, hardship and pain. We've all been hurt and we've all hurt people. You know, I have a a little bit of a choleric side to my personality. And, uh, you know, if if you don't know what that means, it means I'm driven. And uh, every now and then when I'm driving... I run over people. And uh, I don't know if you've experienced that personally. If you have, I repent before you now. When I was young, uh, it, was, it, it, it came clearly through my selfishness. I want something, you're in my way, get out of my way, or I'm going to run over you. My senses want this, and you're in my way. And generally, it was, it was my parents, it was my teachers, it was my church, it was my youth group leader, whoever it was, that were in my way. Um, my selfishness took over. Now that I'm a mature, wise man of God, my selfishness has gone covert. See, this is the thing. You know, I, I resonate with what the Apostle Paul says when he says, I'm the chief of all sinners. And I'm thinking, look at this guy doing the mighty works of God. And you know what happens? I think when we're faithful to the journey of God, he shows us how much, how much when we do hurt someone, it really hurts them. You know what I mean? And the, and the more, you know, the, the closer you get to God, the more, the more you get to know him, the more you realize how selfish you are. You know, and, and on the outside, it may, you may appear to be getting better, but the, on the inside, you realize, you know, you realize the brokenness in your heart. And I want to encourage you today that we have all hurt people and we've all been hurt by people. And it's, you know, our selfishness knows no bounds. You know, we can think we're maturing, but our selfishness goes covert. Um, you ever thought, you know, if I was in charge, things would go a lot better? I thought that. And here I am. I don't know if they're better or not, but um, here we are. You know what? Sometimes God gives you the desires of your heart. Just kidding. You see, Christ has set us free not only from ourselves but from the burdens that have been inflicted upon us. You see, we inflict burdens and burdens are inflicted upon us and he's set us free from both of those things. He is promising freedom to us not only from from our past but from the limitations of the hurts, from the consequences of our actions. You know, every action has a consequence and and a lot of those consequences are eternal. That's why he sent his son to die on the cross for us so we could be set free from the consequences of our actions eternally and that we could walk in peace here on earth. See, God promised to bring Israel out of the captivity of Egypt and he has promised you that he'll bring you out of the captivity of your yesterday. You see, yesterday has this amazing ability to trap us. Sometimes it's a negative yesterday. For some of you, it's a great yesterday that's trapping you. See, God set you free from yesterday's glories because he wants to take you from glory to glory. 
He wants to take you from, from a great past to an even better future. He wants to take you from a terrible past to an amazing future. He wants to bless you and he wants you to know that he has set you free from your yesterday. Jesus was clear throughout his, throughout his ministry that his mission was to seek and save the lost. You see, the desire to set people free is at the center of God's heart. The, the, the desire to set you free is at the center of his heart. And he wants you to receive that. He wants you to receive that promise. He wants you to understand that when God sees his children stuck somewhere, his goal is to pull them out, to pull them out of that pit. So here's the thing with a promise. Jesus has put an offer on the table and he's waiting for you to accept it. A good friend of mine uh, signed a contract on his house this week. I'm so happy for him. Hey, he's had it on, on the market for a while and he signed a contract on his house this week. And uh, it was bought for an exact specific price, this house. And uh, the great thing is now, once it settles... He can go and buy a bigger and better house with more room for his family, to more room to do what he wants to do. But there's a downside. The downside of him selling his house is he's actually not allowed to go back into his old house ever again unless he's invited by the new owner. You see, if he goes back into his old house after he has settled the contract, it's actually called breaking and entering. He might still have an old set of keys to the front door lying around. He might know the, he might know the, the, uh, the window that if you shake it and wobble it this, this way and that way it opens from the outside. He might have his kids' handprints in the concrete out the backyard. He may have 10 years of memories in that house. But now that he's sold it, now that he has signed a contract and it is settled, he's actually not allowed back into that place ever again unless he's invited by the new owner. Here's the thing. We read in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 23, that he bought you for a price, for a specific price. What did he buy? He bought your guilt. He bought your debts. He bought your shame. He bought your unforgiveness. He bought everything about your yesterday, everything that, about your selfishness. And he said, look, the contract has been settled and you are now no longer allowed to go back into those old ideas, ideals and attitudes. You are no longer allowed. It's called breaking and entering. They don't belong to you anymore. And the Lord, say, I, Lord says, I have set you free. I have bought you for a price. You are free from those things. So stop breaking into your old life, into your old attitudes, into your old ideals, into your old shame, and step into the new thing that I've given you. The Lord saying, you know, if my friend sold his house and he wants to buy a new house, but he's pitched a tent outside his old house, he's never going to find a new house, is he? He's saying you've got to let go of yesterday so that you can embrace tomorrow. I think God wants to remind us today that yesterday isn't robbing you of tomorrow. He's saying you camping next to yesterday is robbing you of tomorrow. In fact, you keep rattling on the doors and on the windows and looking for those old great memories because you know, you know what it's like? An old pair of shoes, an old house, an old pair of shoes, they're comfortable, aren't they? Here's the thing, but eventually they lose their spring, don't they? And they may feel comfortable because they've moulded to your foot, but guess what? Your foot is now just about on the bitumen. And he's saying, throw those things away. 
And he's saying, if you won't throw them away, I will buy them from you. And he bought them with a price. And he's saying, no longer are you allowed to wear those old shoes. You need to embrace this new future. God has made you a promise and it's to set you free. We read in Romans 8, 1 and 2, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. You see, when you accept this promise, you enter into a contract with the King of Kings. And he's saying, don't mess with the contract that I've given you. He's saying, embrace the freedom that I've given you. Embrace the tomorrow that I want to walk with you. He's saying, let go of yesterday. He's saying, don't camp around your yesterday. Here's the funny thing. When we try to live in our yesterday, we don't actually fit there anymore. But we, we feel like we fit there. And God's saying, no, you don't fit there anymore. He's saying, you belong in relationship with me. You belong in a, in a, in a beautiful future with me. And I, and I want to walk towards that. You see, the promise of salvation is the first of many promises. The nation of Israel was set free from the, the bondage in Egypt But here's the thing, a whole generation of them didn't get into the promised land. They received salvation, but they lived in the mindset of Egypt. He doesn't want you to live in your old thought patterns of yesterday. He's saying, first you need to accept salvation, and then you need to understand that there are a list of promises that will keep going. He's saying, I don't stop talking. The Lord doesn't stop speaking to you. He says, I'll give you the promise of salvation, and then I'll give you more, and then I've got more promises. And then on those promises, there's more promises. You see, God wants you to walk according to what he is saying to you, not what you've experienced yesterday. You see, God has set you apart for something special, for something new. He hasn't saved you for a sound character. He hasn't saved you to memorize the Bible. He hasn't saved you to come to church. These things are all vital and important, but this is not what he saved you for. He set you apart to be alive and to be present here on earth in his name for his glory and his purposes. You see, coming to church, reading your Bible, having a great character, being filled with integrity, these aren't your purpose. These are, 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 are things that will hold you while you live your purpose. See, God wants you to get into Scripture. He wants you to understand His Word. He does says, don't neglect the gathering of the saints. He wants you to come to church. He wants you to be a person of integrity. He wants you to be whole. But He says, don't leave it there. He says, go and do something with this life that, you're, that I'm stirring up and creating. Jesus prayed in John 17. You ever prayed to, to the Lord and said, take me now, Lord? Take me quickly. What does it say? Come quickly, Lord, in, uh, in Revelation. Sometimes we want, we, want, we want to get out of this place. But Jesus prayed. When Jesus prayed for his disciples in John chapter 17, he says this in verse 15. He says, I do not pray that you will take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world. He's talking to you. you once you accept Christ as your saviour, you are no longer of this world. He says, they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. And as you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. 
You see, God has created you for a purpose. He's created you for a purpose, but we need to accept that salvation is liberating you from yesterday and you cannot walk in your purpose. Israel could not step into the promised land because they, they could not let go of Egypt. A whole generation had to pass away in the wilderness before they could get into the promised land. He, sa- he, you know, he's, he says, when you, when you, you know when you go through life and you go, I don't know what I'm here for. I don't know what my purpose is. Do you know why you ask yourselves those questions? Is because you're not from this place anymore. It's because that you were created for something bigger than what you're walking in right now. He's saying, and you discover that as you get to know him. One of my, my favorite verses at the moment is Acts 17, 26 to 28. It says this, From one man he made all the nations, that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he's not far from any one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. And as some of your poets said, we are his offspring. You know, there, there is a reason that you exist right now. God created the boundaries of your life. He created where you're going to live. He created what family you're going to be born in. He created some things that you don't have control over because God wants you to influence out of the space that you are in. You know, don't you wish sometimes that God would just tell you exactly what you've got to do and where you're going to go? You're going to be a ship captain of the Queen Mary and you're going to smuggle Bibles into North Korea. You know, what a, you know wouldn't it be great if you just got the memo and you could just go and do it? No. We discover purpose and direction by getting into relationship with him. Does God ever speak that accurately to people? Yes, absolutely. Does he always? No. And if you, you know, it's, you know most of the time when, when God spoke to people directly in the Bible, they weren't actually seeking him. He was disrupting their world. You know, you, you want a, a road to Damascus experience like the Apostle Paul? If you want to meet Jesus like the Apostle Paul met Jesus, simply do this. Just start killing Christians and you will meet Jesus. That's what Paul was doing, wasn't he? He was out and about. He was throwing Christians in prison, getting them killed, and God interrupted his world. See, we want God to interrupt. God interrupts your world for a very specific purpose. He wants you to discover your purpose by seeking his heart, by knowing him more deeply. And as you get to know his promises and as you seek his general purposes, you will find a specific purpose in your life. Sorry about that, Paul line. That was a bit left field. But You see, we struggle with salvation because we think God wants something from us. Do you know what my biggest problem with God is? Is I think that he's like me. Same for you. You think that God's like you. That's why you struggle with him because, you know, let me give you an example. Here's God. God is an open hand, right? Now, when something, God is always open, whoever you are. Doesn't matter what you've done. Doesn't matter where you've been. You know what I mean? Doesn't matter whether you're, whether you're, what experiences you've had. I don't want to list a list of things that might be offensive. You know, we might, we might look at different religions. We might look at different, um, different things that we do in life. You know, we might go, okay, look, you know, um, you know, Christians, good, open hand. Um, this is me now. I'm the, I'm the hand. This is, or you, could be you. Um, 
open hand, Christians, great, you know what I mean? Uh, homosexual, no, I don't like. Um, adultery, yeah, not too, okay, look, I'll let you, you know what I mean? Uh, we like Christians, good, what a, uh, you know, new age, okay, you know, a bit flaky, but I'll, I'll be open to you. Muslims, no. You know what I mean? Uh, murderers, no. Um, tax, tax evasion, okay, not a bad, not bad. <laughs> you got any ideas, you can let me know. Um, Here's God, open hand all the time, all the time, open hand all the time, nothing blocks, nothing is in the way of anyone ever approaching God, no sin, no, you know, you can do, you can be at any sin, anytime, anywhere, and God is always an open hand to you, here's the thing, doesn't mean you're not, there's not going to be a consequence, you know, if you murder someone, you've got to go to prison, okay, is God open to receiving you into his kingdom, absolutely, God is always an open hand. The problem that I have with God is I think he's like me. How could you let that person in, Lord? How could you let that person into your kingdom after all they've done? Let me just say to this, nothing that you can do will ever make you worthy enough to get an open hand without him making a way for you. This is the promise of salvation. See, accepting salvation is easy. Accepting it is easy, but it seems like a long way off. Eternal life seems like a long way off. You know, it seems, you know, but, and so we, we walk through all these challenges. You know, most of us believe that God requires us to change before we can approach him. You ever, you know, you do, the, I do the whole, the sin, the time sin thing. You know, I've got a bad attitude. You know, that's a day that I can't talk to God. You know, if I cheat on my taxes, that's a week. You know what I mean? We've got these time limits on our sin before we can re-access God. I watched that bad movie. Well, that's a couple of weeks. You know, God is saying, what are you doing, people? What is, what, what, why do you create this system in your own heart about how you can access me? He says, I am always available. I'm ever present. I'm always powerful. My mercy is in you every morning. Receive my open hand. Receive my salvation, says the Lord. See, God made the way for all of Israel. He didn't go through the people of Israel and Egypt and say, you can come, you can come. I don't know about you, you can come, you can come. He said all of Israel, all of Israel got to go out of Egypt, out of bondage. And he's saying all of humanity have access to my throne of grace. This is what he wants us to know. He wants us to understand that, he's, you know, we, 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 these words flow off our tongue like his mercies are new every morning. They are, all right? They're new every morning. Ephesians 2 verse 8 says this, God saved you by his grace when you believed and you cannot take credit for this. It is a gift from God. See, the moment we believe and commit our lives to him, he gives us the greatest gift that you could ever receive. And it's the gift of adoption. He has adopted us into his family. You know, once you become part of his family, then he gives you the desire to change. He gives you the power to change. It's not this, you need to, I can't meet God, I've got to get some things right in my life, I've got to stop doing this and stop doing that before I can start coming to church. Who comes up with this stuff? You know, there's this deceiver going around, isn't there? He's, a, he, he's the deceiver of the brethren. You know, he's, he's the father of lies and he wants you to believe that you're not good enough to receive God's goodness. God is saying, I am an open hand today and I'll be an open hand tomorrow and for the rest of your life. 
He's saying, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden. Don't deal with your heavy, heavy ladenness and weariness before you come to me. Come to me with it, and I will give you strength. You see, once we're part of the family, then he does that. He gives, us the, he gives us the desire to change. He gives us the power to change. Who knows what it's like to, to change by yourself? It's very difficult. It's very difficult to change. I've seen Kristen trying to change for many years. It's very difficult. But when the Lord gives her a desire and the power, it's a lot easier. I'm still praying for it. No, I'm just kidding. Here's the thing we need to remember. God pursued us first. He pursued us first. Listen to this, Exodus 3, 7. The Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt. I have heard their cry because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. So I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians, and I'll bring them up to that land, to a good and large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Who knows the promises of God? He, doesn't, he, he, you know, he sees you. He sees your struggle. And he's coming, he's coming with a promise. He's put an offer on the table. And he's ready for you to accept it. And as you accept it, he's saying, let go of yesterday. Let go of slavery. Let go of your doubts. You know, Jesus says, I've been anointed. I've been, I've, to, to, one of the last things he says is to declare the acceptable year of the Lord. The acceptable year of the Lord is an old Jewish thing called Jubilee, which means debts are set, slaves are set free, debts are forgiven. It's a new day and it's time to move on from a new place. This is what he wants you to understand. He's seen your suffering and he wants you back home. But notice how when he talks about the promised land, he says it's full of the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites and all these ites, right? Not the forex lights. The dead joke, they're coming. See, God didn't promise you that the promised land was going to be easy, but he did promise you that he was going to be with you as you take that land. He didn't promise you that your marriage was going to be easy, but he said, lo, I will be with you always. He didn't promise you that child raising was going to be easy. He didn't promise you that business was going to be easy. He didn't promise you that church was going to be easy, but he said, the battle belongs to me. I just need you to stand present in my name and give me the glory, and I I will fight for you. Saying, stop looking for easy treat, easy street church. Stop looking for the easy life. It's not about holidays. It's not about, it's not about finding you know, comfort. It's about standing in his name for his glory and seeing him come through every time. It's time to let go of yesterday, church. Why doesn't the band jump up? See, the Israelites that didn't get into the promised land, they would not surrender yesterday. They would not surrender life in Egypt. See, some of you have never actually made Jesus Lord of your life. Some of you have made a commitment to him, but you haven't let go of yesterday. Here's the challenge I have for you today. Will you surrender to God your attachment to yesterday? You see, he put a promise on the table. He put an offer on the table, and it's the offer of salvation. And as you accept the offer, there is an agreement that you will automatically surrender your yesterday. Why don't you stand with me this morning, church? Surrendering yesterday. 
You see, every agreement that you have in life, every contract that you enter into means, you know, you receive something and you let go of something or you give something. See, when you, when you enter into a relationship with Jesus, when you accept his promise of salvation, you agree to receive eternal life with him. And you agree to give him all of your shame, all of your guilt, all of your lack, all of your bad attitudes, all of your yesterdays that are robbing you of tomorrow. He's, you agreed with him to give those up. And this morning, I want to remind you of who you are pray liberty over you. I want to remind you of the, of the promise that you have. I want to remind you of, of what God has said and what God is doing. Father, this morning for every hand on every heart, we receive afresh the reminder of your grace and of your truth. Lord, we receive afresh the understanding of our salvation, the covenant that we are in. Lord, we receive afresh the fact that you have called us into a great tomorrow, that you have called us to be alive and present in your name. So Father, right now, we step again away from yesterday. We step into today with you. Father, we thank you that, 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 you, that you always were, that you are today and that you will forever be. So we thank you, Father, that as we walk away from our yesterdays, that you are faithfully present with us today and leading us into a faithful future with you. So stir our hearts this morning, Lord. Stir our souls this morning, Lord, to stand in your presence, to stand for your glory and to go in your name. And we thank you, Father, that the battle belongs to you, Lord. We thank you that as we put on your armor, as we, as we clothe ourselves in your promises and your righteousness, Lord, that you have gone before us. And that as we stand, the battle belongs to you. And we declare that as we go, we understand that you are with us always. So we glorify your name and we lift up that mighty name of Jesus. And we declare to all that are here that we are your children and that we love you and that we are called according to your name, the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.